in a sense, I'm very pleasing to you because I'm one of your children. You may get discouraged with us. You may get disappointed with us because of what we do, but you never get disappointed with us. I know that doesn't make sense. I just can't put into words today what I'm trying to say. You may be disappointed with our actions, but you're never disappointed with us because we're your children. And it would never get to the point if we truly know you. It would never get to the point where you would say you've disappointed me one too many times. I'm disowning you. Or, or, or the, you've disappointed me so greatly that I'm going to disown you. And Lord, because of that, we should want to live our lives as an overflow of your love for us and, and who you want to be in us. Father, I thank you for this church family. Lord, I thank you for the, the way we try our best. And here I go again using, using that phrase, we try. I thank you for the way you've been working through us. I thank you that for the love that, that you, through us, showed to brothers and sisters in this family. Lord, to guests that come through here. Lord, to folks outside the four walls of this church as we try not to just speak of the love of Jesus Christ, but allow you to show it through our lives and through our actions. And Father, we're, we're not perfect. We miss opportunities. Sometimes people slip through the cracks. Sometimes we say the wrong things and do the wrong things. But Father, I don't believe any of it is ever intentional. It's because we're, we're sin-prone human beings. And, and though we strive to be like you, we, we strive to allow you to, to live through us and to work through us, to permeate us. Father, we're still going to be prone to sin and sometimes prone to selfishness until we're in heaven with you. But Father, I thank you for the process you're taking us all through. Lord, making us more like you each and every day. Father, I thank you that we're taking this outside the four walls of this church, that, that people in our community, Lord, people at Widewater, Shirley Heim, Stonebridge, Potomac Hills, at Wawa, Walmart, Target, wherever we go, People are seeing glimpses of what Christianity looks like because of what you're doing through us. Lord, again, it's not perfect. It's not a clear glimpse because we're imperfect people. But folks are starting to, starting to see you through us. And Lord, it's my prayer for all of us that we, we reach the point where we can be like the Apostle Paul where, where Paul said, if you want to see Jesus Christ, look at me. And Lord, we know that when he said that, he wasn't saying that because he thought that he had arrived or, or he thought that he was perfect, but, but he knew that, 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 that as an imperfect vessel striving to allow you to live through him, that as people looked to him, they were actually looking through him and seeing you. And Father, I pray that that's the goal for the life of each and every one of us here today. So Father, as we go into this message, taking a look at, at our lives and preparing for the Lord's table, Father, I pray that if there's anything that's interfering in our relationship with you, that you'd convict us of it this morning. 
Lord, you cause us to confess it and repent of it to you this morning so that as we partake of the Lord's table, we can do so with a clear heart, soul, and mind. Father, open our eyes, our hearts, our souls, and minds to what you've got to teach us today. As always, bring encouragement where encouragement's needed, correction where correction's needed. Most importantly, I pray that you bring Christ into the life of that one or those few or those many that might be here today that need him. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you turn to the, to the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to share some verses with you this morning. If you have your Bible with you, hold it up this morning. Amen. Amen. If you don't have your Bible with you, you need to make a note on your bathroom mirror as soon as you get home for Sunday morning. Bring Bible. Bring Bible. Amen. Wow, that was pathetic. Amen. Okay. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to bring my Bible next week. Yeah, pastor's been off on another retreat. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 31. If you're physically able, if you'd stand in reverence to God's word, please. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth some 2,000 years ago, but speaking to us at Victory Baptist Church this morning, May 4th. I got that right, didn't I? May 4th, 2014. And he writes, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks... I'm going to stop right there for a second, and, and this, is, this is just an extra, but think about us. If we knew we were going to die in 24 hours for something that we, never, that we didn't do... <laughs> Would we be able to stand and thank God? Would we have the guts to stand and thank God for the meal we were about to eat? Or would we be crying out, God, why me? And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are condemned by the Lord, that we may not be condemned in the world. Therefore, I'm going to go on ahead and finish. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. The reason he said that is the rich folks back in that day were taking advantage. It was a love fest, a love meal, if you will. And they were gouging themselves while the poor folks were going hungry. If anyone's hungry, let him eat at home. And, but I'm going to go back to this verse, verses 31 and 32. If we judge our, 31, for if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. May God bless us by the reading and the hearing, but most especially the doing of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> the pollen is getting to me a little bit. I'll heal that out of the dust. 
Well, what we're seeing here and what I want us to do this morning is to take a look at ourselves because he says that we're to partake in a worthy manner or an unworthy manner. You know, for us to partake of the Lord's table, and this just isn't true of the Lord's table. It's for us, if you will, to partake of the Lord at any time, for us to be in his, his perfect will. We need to be constantly looking at our lives and we need to deal with the sin in our lives. Specifically on days like this when we come to partake of the Lord's table, we, we need to either deal with the sins in our lives before we get to church. It's a matter of maybe the night before on our way to church, hey, we're, we're partaking in the Lord's table today. Is there anything, Lord, is there anything between you and I that I need to take care of or myself or a brother and sister that I need to take care of so that I can partake of this in a worthy manner? So we either need to deal with it before we get here. We deal with it when we're here in preparation. Or we flat out shouldn't partake. And the worst thing we can do is, is we can ignore what God's telling us. And in our disobedience and rebellion, partake anyway. And, and, and Paul, Paul talked to, to the folks about what was going on in their lives. Because so many of them were partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. They were, they were, they were approaching it from a wrong heart standpoint. They, they were doing it with unconfessed sin in their lives. And, and, and he said, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Many of you are weak. Now, he may not have been talking about physical disability, but he was talking about the power, about the fact that if we have sin in our lives, we are weak in the power, we're weak in God's power. We're weak in what God can and will do through us because we've got sin in our lives. And he says, some of you sleep. God doesn't mess around with his children. I was talking with a couple of folks, I think Brother Rick and, 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 and uh, Brother Perry and, and, and Brother Kenny here a couple of weeks ago about the fact, you know, if we're truly God's children, God doesn't mess around with us. There's three ways God disciplines us, and this is an extra here. This wasn't in the message. And, and, and if you want the scripture to back it up, see me after service. I'm not going to do it now. God has three ways of dealing with his children. The woodshed the wood shelf, and a wood box. It, sometimes all it takes is for God, and a generation or two ago, you heard of dads taking their kids back, back behind the woodshed to give them, a, give them a butt whooping. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes we're a little bit more rebellious, and, and God says, well, you know what? The, 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 little, the little fanny fan in there didn't take care of it. So I'm going to take you out to the woodshed, but I'm going to put you up on the shelf. In other words, you're not going to have any more power. I'm not going to use you until you repent. And then thirdly, I believe we can embarrass God, and, I, and I'll use the word embarrass. We can embarrass God long enough where we don't repent of our disobedience or of our rebellion, and God says, okay, son or daughter, I'm bringing you home. And we do see that, if you want an example, in, in, in the book of Acts with Ananias and Sapphira. There's nothing that says they weren't Christians. They were Christians. But God decided he wasn't going to play games in that situation. And so God will do that in our lives. And let me preface this right now by, and you can hear it again this morning, that if you don't feel God, if, if you're living in sin, and I'm not just talking about what we consider the big sin. I'm talking about if we're living in pride, if we're living in arrogance, if we gossip, if we, you know, if, if we lie, if, if we do things where, where we think we're getting away with something because nobody else sees it and we know it's wrong, that, that, that's sin just as much as murder, fornication, adultery, 
any of those things. If we're doing these things, if we're living these things, and we're not feeling God's conviction, we've got to question whether or not we're saved to begin with. Because if we truly belong to God, we're going to deal with these things. And I will say this as a, as a, as a word of encouragement this morning. If you are living in sin, no matter what it is, if you're truly a Christian, you need to realize that that's not who you are in Christ. In other words, what I'm getting at is sometimes we can get caught up in sin and the reason we don't want to deal with it is because we feel, you know what, I've messed up too much for, for, God, to, for, for God to even want to deal with me. But what we need to realize is, is that if, if we're living in sin, if we're committing sin and we're a Christian, my sin isn't who I am. My sin is what I do. In other words, if, 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 I, if I, for instance, as a Christian, were to get caught up in the sin of pornography, I'm not a pervert. I'm a child of God. The pornography is something that I'm doing. And God wants to deliver me out of that. that I, the Bible tells me that as a Christian, I'm a child of Christ. I can't be, and I don't know any other way to put it, I can't be a pervert and a child of Christ both. If I'm truly a child of Christ and, and somehow I slip into a sin, that sin doesn't define me. That sin is what I'm doing. And God wants to deliver me out of it. And you know what? My Bible tells me my Bible tells me that God can deliver me out of it because let me ask you this question. Is Jesus enough? No. Is Jesus sufficient? No. Because my Bible tells me that Jesus is more than enough, that Jesus is more than sufficient to deal with any kind of sin that we've got in our lives. And, and, and folks, that goes for whether we're a Christian or whether we're not a Christian. Because you can be here, you know, saying, you know what? And I and I and I said it during Easter. Somebody do me a favor. Who's got a watch on? Because I don't have my watch and I don't have my clock here. So when it gets to about quarter to twelve, give me the. Is it quarter to twelve already? Is it? Oh well, so what? You know, there's there's there's, there's a. Let me, let, me, let me get on with this. You might be here this morning and you think, I've, I've been bad too long. I've done too much wicked, mean, evil, nasty things. And like I said, Easter, and I say many times, but Pastor, you don't know how long I've been doing these things, who I've been doing it, and how bad I've been. How bad I've been. Is there any way, there's no way God could love me and there's no way God could save me. Yes, there is. That's what the cross was all about. And, and, and the, again, the Bible says that Jesus isn't just enough. Jesus just isn't sufficient, that he is more than enough. There's no sin in this life that we could commit save blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is rejecting Jesus until the day we die, that God's not willing to forgive. And again, the neat part about that is, is it's not, it's, and I keep going back and forth, it's not just true of Folks that don't know Jesus, but it's, it's true of the saints too because sometimes, again, we think, I've, I know I'm a Christian, but I, I've been doing this too long for God, to, for God to give me another chance. 
for God to ever use me again. But again, Jesus, when he died for our sins, did he die just for the sins we committed up until the time we got saved? No. He died for every sin we were ever going to commit. Not just from the time that we were saved, but, in, from, but also from the time we were saved until the moment we die. Because Jesus knows that we're never going to live a perfect life. Nobody is ever going to go and live a 24-hour period and at the end of the day say, Wow, look at me, I didn't sin. And you know what? Even if that were theoretically correct... It still wouldn't be true because if we got to the end of the day and said, man, look at me, I never sinned. Guess what sin we just committed? Sin of pride. You know, that's like being humble. You know, the minute we realize that we are humble, guess what? We've lost it. You know. Let me, it's later than what I thought, but let me just just touch on a few things quickly for us to, to take a look at here as what we need to deal with in Christ before we partake of the Lord's table. First of all, our life in general. If, 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 if the question we need to ask ourselves is, could I be living my life the way I do right now with Jesus standing right next to me 24-7 and not be embarrassed with anything I say or do? Could I live my life out and not be, be embarrassed to have Jesus standing right next to me? Because, see, we live the way we think. You know, we can say we've got good intentions or we, we want to do all this, that, and the other, but we make our decisions and we, we live our lives according to what is truly important to us. And if we claim that Christ is truly important to us, guess what? We're going to live a life or we're going to allow him to live a life through us that's pleasing to him. If Jesus spoke to our family, friends, co-workers about us, what, 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 would, what would they say about us? And, and this is for me too. If Jesus were to talk to Tammy or Zachary or Seth or Josh or Rihanna or even Adeline, because God knows what she's saying when she does all this blah, 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 blah stuff. If, if, if God could talk to any of them, what would, they, what would they say about me? And hopefully, it'd be good stuff, right? Okay. Life in general, is our life pleasing to God at home? Here we go again. Do we try to lead by example, or is our life a life of don't do as I do, do as I say? Again, what would our family say about us? How do we treat our family members? Husbands, how do you treat your wives? Wives, how do you treat your husbands? Parents, how do you treat your children? Children, how do you treat your parents and other family members? Because you know what? The Bible gives us a, a prescription, if you will, a template of how we're supposed to treat each other. Wives are to respect and submit to their husbands. And when I say submit, I don't mean become a whipping post or a doormat. But a husband is supposed to love his wife the way Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church? He died for it. When we're home, what do we allow our eyes to look at? What, what do we watch on TV? What's on our computers? What kind of magazines do we have? What kind of movies do we watch? What kind of books do we, watch, do, we, do we read? What kind of language do we use when we're at home? And you know what? It concerns me of the amount of profanity that I hear coming out of the mouths of, of Christians today. And I had a psychologist one time, a Christian psychologist, a Christian counselor, when I was talking about the profanity I see, especially coming out of Christian young people, and he says, well, that's just the way it is. I'm like, what? The Bible says nothing filthy or profane or obscene is supposed to be coming out of our mouth. What about at work? When we're at work, do we work as under the Lord? Do we work like we're working for God? 
Do we have lazy work habits? Do we steal? Do we cheat? Do we forge work logs or other things to, 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 to make us look better? Do we stab other people in the back or step over other people so we can move up? Do we spend too, here's the probably a, 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 a appropriate one to, in this day and age, do we spend too much time on the internet while we're on the company clock? Because that's cheating our employer. Do people at our workplaces even know that we're Christians? And if Jesus were to go with us to the workplace and he would talk to folks that, 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 that know us and talk about our Christianity, would Jesus look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would he say, man, quit trying to help me out because you're embarrassing me? And not want us to say anything. How about at play, the things we do in our, in our off time, in our recreation time? particularly Fridays and Saturday nights, as a routine in your life, could you take Jesus with you wherever you go on Friday or Saturday night? Could you have taken Jesus with you wherever you went last night? And you know the thing we need to realize, I say, could you take Jesus with you in all of these things? But the truth of the matter is, is that if we're Christians, we do take Jesus with us. Because the Bible tells us that if we're saved, if we're born again, he lives inside of us. So it's really not a matter of if we take him with us. It's what does he see as he, goes, as he goes with us. But the bad part of it is, is that many Christians have bought into the mindset of, of lost people. Well, 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 well Pastor, you've, you've gone from preaching now and, and you're judging. Who are you to judge me? Well, 1 Corinthians 5, 11 through 12 tells us that we are to judge, to, to judge those that call themselves Christians. And when they're talk, speaking of judges, they're not talking about judging with, a con, with condemnation, but judging from the standpoint of coming to a brother or sister in Christ and, and spiritually correcting them. Now, now, keep in mind, when we do this, we need to have our, our act together as reasonably as possible. And then in 1 Peter 4, 5, Peter said that the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Because the people out there are seeing those of us living lives that aren't Christ-like and we're supposed to be Christians, what are they going to think? Why are they going to want what we've got if what we've got is no different and in some cases worse than what they got out there? It's sad to say that there are more good, moral, ethical people out there that are lost in some cases than there are Christians. The attitudes of, of many of God's people has become, whether we vocalize it or not, God, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it, and I dare you to do something about it. All along, expecting God's blessing and, and believing that just because he hasn't struck us down, just because he hasn't sent a major calamity or catastrophe in our lives, that, that either he doesn't really mind what we're doing, or he's not going to judge it anyway. And we throw it all on grace. And I'm going to preach a message here before long if the Lord allows about us blaming, blaming grace. <laughs> because we sin deliberately and then we throw it all on, oh, well, God's grace, God, God loves me and I can keep doing it and he's automatically going to forgive me because it's all about grace. Yes, God is a God of love and he is a God of grace. He's a long-suffering God when it comes to us. But we can never forget that above all, God is a holy God and all of his other, other characters, his love, his grace, and his mercy come out of his holiness. And it's kind of hard to explain it because it almost sounds like we're putting his holiness above everything else. All of God's attributes are, are, are to the infinite level, so there's not one above the other. 
but everything works out of his holiness. He is just as holy as he is loving. He is just as holy as he is merciful. He is just as holy as he is graceful, but it all comes out of his, of his holiness. And we need to remember that sin is still sin and that God's going to do something about it. And if God's not doing anything about it now and he doesn't do it down the road while we're alive, he's going to do it when we die. And guess what? If he, if he waits to do it until we die, some of us are going to wait. And I know this sounds silly the way I'm going to put it, but if he waits until we die to do it, some of us are going to wake up dead and realize we weren't saved to begin with. Because if we were saved to begin with, God would have disciplined us. God would have judged us. You know, with the one exception is, like I said earlier, God. Sometimes God will say, "Okay, you've embarrassed me enough. I'm taking you home." But do you want to take that chance? Doesn't matter what you said that you said a prayer, walked an aisle, got baptized, or got a church membership card. The Bible clearly tells us that God disciplines. His children when they're in sin. And if we have any kind of sin in our lives, again, and God's not dealing with it, we need to question whether or not we're truly saved. And now is the time to deal with it. You know, the scripture tells us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the hour to be saved. But guess what? Now is also the acceptable time. Now is also the hour for those of us that are in Christ if we have sin in our lives to deal with it. Not just because we're getting ready to participate in this, but because if we're truly saved, we want to live a life that's pleasing to God. And we want to have everything. And, 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 I, and, and I think part of it, and, and somebody, I don't want to get into another message. I think so many times that we give into sin, it's because we're looking for something to complete us. It's like I said earlier, we don't see Jesus as enough. Well, yes, I know Jesus saved me, but, but man, I just got to, I've got that thing missing in my life that I want to have a good time. And for me, going out to have a good time is to go out partying on Friday and Saturday night. And I just use that as an example. Well, really, what we're saying is, is that Jesus isn't enough to give us happiness and joy and fulfillment. You know. I'm, I'm going to close with this. Hopefully, if not, you guys that are ushering for, for up here bum rush me and knock me down so I'll shut up and we'll, we'll, we'll do this. I did not drink a lot when I, when I was a teenager. On the occasions I did drink, the main reason I quit was because God told me, number one, God told me to do it because he made me realize that when I did drink, I, I, I didn't know when to stop. But it didn't matter when I was a teenager. I could be at a party and having a whale of a time because you guys that know me, you know I am the life of, of the party. Uh, but people would come up to me and, what are you drinking? Well, I'm not drinking anything. Well, well, what did you smoke before you came in? Well, I didn't smoke anything. Well, what did you take? I didn't take anything. I'm just having a good time. You know. And, and that's even been amplified more since I've become a Christian. Because I can go out and have a great time. Some folks might tell you that, he, that especially as a pastor, maybe I have a little bit too good of a time. But the neat thing of it is, I wake up the next morning and I remember everything that I did. And, I'm st and I still have the happiness and the joy, and if you will, the laughter in my heart and soul that I had the night before because I knew everything that I was doing. 
And that's what God wants for us. If, if, if we've got to turn to pornography, if we've got to turn to partying, if we've got to, if, if we've got to turn to magazines or, or, or even other people, we're not seeing ourselves for who we truly are. We're children of God, but also what we're really saying, and hopefully I'm going to be doing some teaching on this, is that we don't realize that Christ is more than sufficient that Christ is more than sufficient for every aspect of our lives. Not just the Christian stuff, not just dealing with our children or our spouses, not just for setting a good example of work, but for every, every aspect of our lives. And when we get to the point that we see that, I, I, you know, I really don't know how to explain it. it. It's one of those things you've got to experience it to understand it. But, but, but when you, do I still stumble and fall and struggle sometimes? Absolutely. So sometimes, especially with, with, with my depression, you know, I, I'm like, God, there's no sense in even getting out of bed today. I force myself to get out of bed because I know it's what i got to do. But one thing this prayer thing taught me is I need to remember, even though there's a chemical imbalance, and it's not a psychotic chemical imbalance, okay? But even though there's a chemical imbalance up there, God's more than sufficient to help get me through that. God's more than sufficient to get you through whatever sin you're dealing with, whatever issue you're dealing with, to show you who you are in Christ. And what, we're, what, what I did today, what we're talking about today, is, is just kind of a way, if you will, to, clean, to, to clear the table. Clean the table. To give you a fresh start with God. So if you've got sin in your life this morning, I'd ask you while we're passing the elements out. If you just take it to God and, and confess it, I'm going to ask. I think I asked three guys to come up here this morning for uh, for, for that. If if you y'all would come up and just stand back here, we we've got three because we're we're missing a, a few things today, and and we'd have we'd have a fourth guy kind of out doing nothing. So, uh, but I just want to remind you, I don't say this all the time. I, I normally do, but I've not said it in a while. If you've got sin in your life, if you've got something against somebody here in church this morning, I would ask you, and I know it takes guts to do this, but I'd ask you to get that person, go outside and get things right with them because I would rather stay here all afternoon and give in communion to, to people two and three at a time and have them partaking in a worthy manner as opposed to giving it to the, to the entire church and we've got people here that have got issues and they're, and they're not taking care of them and partake in, a, in an unworthy manner. Guys, y'all can sit for, for a second. I'm getting ready to get my second win now. So, No, we're get, getting ready to start here, and, and I, I just want to emphasize to everybody what we're doing here is a remembrance. It's, it's symbolic of what Christ did that last night. We're going to partake of bread. We're going to partake of, of, of juice. Those elements, the bread is symbolic of Christ's body. The juice is symbolic of Christ's blood. There are some that teach when you, the minute you put that bread in your mouth, it automatically becomes the literal body of Christ. You drink that juice, it becomes the literal, literal blood of Jesus Christ. Nowhere in the scripture does it teach that. Jesus said, I've come to fulfill the law, and part of the law, and I'm not trying to be gross here, but part of the law was against cannibalism. So if Jesus came to fulfill the law and that stuff really became his body, then guess what? He was guilty and we're guilty of cannibalism. It's, it's all symbolic. 
what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the men to pass out the bread. I'll ask Brother, Brother Rick, if he would, offer up a prayer of thanksgiving for the body that was broken for us. I'll say a couple words, we'll partake. Then they'll do the same thing with the, uh, with, with the blood. And I'm, I'll ask Brother John if he'll say a prayer of thanksgiving for that. We'll partake. And by 1 o'clock, 1.30, we should, we should be on our way. Guys, if y'all stand. Stand in the middle, just hand it over. John, you get it. Just work your way back. Okay.
Brother Rick, would you offer up a word of prayer thanksgiving, please? And Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. As often as you partake, do so in remembrance of me.
The blood of Jesus washes me.